Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law. Welcome to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 65. So then guys, this week brings the penultimate collection of stories from the 2015 run of the main run of Star Wars comics. So this is volume 12, it is called Rebels and Rogues, and it is issues 68 to 72. Now to clarify any confusion at all, if you are collecting the trade paperback versions of these comics, this is volume 12, which is Rebels and Rogues, and then the next trade paperback is volume 13, Rogues and Rebels. But the whole story arc is called Rebels and Rogues, and the whole story arc, I think, is eight issues long. Um, so that's just to clarify anything in case anyone gets confused about uh, Star Wars of naming things. Uh, but let's get into some of the details of these comics specifically. So issue 68 was released July 2019, issue 72 was released October 2019, the trade paperback collection was released in November 2019, the writer is Greg Pak, and the artist as well as the colour artist and the cover artist for a lot of these issues was Phil Notto, who has done an incredible job of someone, it's, it's quite rare to see someone who is the artist as well as the colour artist and the cover artist for many cases, it's very very impressive and the artwork for all of these issues in this arc are really really good, so lots of good stuff stuff there. Um, this story takes place between one year after the Battle of Yavin and three years after the Battle of Yavin, so it's just between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. We don't have explicit confirmation because the timelines don't generally work like that, but from what I can tell, this is maybe a year before Empire Strikes Back, but this arc is the one that leads into the Rebels being on Hoth, and obviously once they're on Hoth, the Empire does attack shortly thereafter, so that's just a general idea. I think they're on Hoth for a few months, actually, before the Empire managed to find them, but that's just a general idea of the timelines and things. Now, I would recommend people go back and check out the prior episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon, specifically the ones to do with the main run of Star Wars, or I'd recommend people read the other issues of Star Wars. For clarity, you don't need to do any of those things because I will be running through the narrative. I will be talking about the connective tissue and those sort of things, but I just thought I would pre-warn. I also want to add that last week I tackled the first full chapter of the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover event. Really happy with that came out and those comics are so much fun to go through. They are being released right now as in 2021 as of recording this. So if anyone has any slight confusion just to clarify, this episode is about the first run of Star Wars comics which went from 2015 to 2020 which is set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and the War of the Bounty Hunters and those sort of things. Those are all after Empire Strikes Back and they are released in 2021. 
I want to clarify that when I finish this batch of Star Wars comics, so it'll be in about a month or so, it'll be approximately four episodes from this one dropping, I'll be tackling the finale of the main run of Star Wars, and then four weeks after that, I will likely be going on to the first story arc of Star Wars The 2020 Run, um, which is written by Charles Saul. So that's a general outline of what you can expect from this episode and a few episodes and stuff going forward. But you guys, I would presume you're up to date with all your Star Wars stuff, so let's get right into it. Let's tackle the narrative of the first issue of this five-issue batch, issue number 68. So let's start with the crawl. It is a time of civil war in the galaxy. The freedom fighters of the Rebel Alliance fight a losing battle against the might of the evil Galactic Empire. After scoring a major victory against the Empire and the traitorous Queen Trios of Shu Turan, Rebel leaders Princess Leia Organa, smuggler Han Solo, the Wookiee Chewbacca, and Jedi-in-training Luke Skywalker rejoin the fleet, eager for their next mission. But hope for the movement's survival is dwindling, as the Empire moves to crush the Rebellion once and for all. So this issue starts with Imperials sending out thousands of probe droids into space to find the Rebels. Now this has been referenced before, in fact I tackled it a couple episodes ago in episode 63 of Star Wars Comics in Canon when I spoke about the Afro run, or the finale of the first Afro run, and in essence it's called Project Swarm, and they send out, as I said, thousands of probe droids, and another name for probe droids are Viper droids, but they are the ones that you see at the start of Empire Strikes Back when Chewie and Han shoot them on Hoth. It's also confirmed that Vader is obsessed with finding Luke, so the Rebels need to distract the Imperials or they're going to be found. And there's a gentleman named Carlos Rican, who is the one who gives this speech at the start, tells the standard gang, you know, what's going on. His title is General Rican. He's in The Empire Strikes Back. He also shows up in Lost Stars, Moving Target, uh, in the certain point of view Empire Strikes Back book he's in there. And he's also in Resistance Reborn, which is actually like a kind of like a prequel book to The Rise of Skywalker. So he survives throughout the original trilogy and all the way through to the sequel trilogy, which is quite rare for people in the original trilogy that are side characters. Um, but yeah, so Rican gives out three missions. The first mission is for Luke. He needs to bait a Star Destroyer to get away from a planet that has a Rebellion refueling station on it. Mission number two is for Han and Leia. They need to go to the planet Lands Carpo to make the Imperials think that there's a Rebel base on there. And then the third mission is for Chewie and C-3PO. They need to go to a planet called K-4-3, which is a volcano world. Uh, there's no inhabitants on there or anything, so they need to basically go there. And once the Star Destroyer gets baited and moved there, they blow up the planet, and then it will destroy lots of Imperials as well. So the gang all start to part ways. It's confirmed that the Millennium Falcon goes to Chewie because it's far too recognisable for Leia and Han to take it. Uh, Leia has also got a friend from her summit in Congress, which is like... You know, Congress is obviously a political thing, but in Leia's past, um, it's detailed a little bit in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, the Claudia Gray novel, but not this specific aspect of it. But in essence, she was being trained out to become Queen of Alderaan and also, you know, all the politics and the ins and outs of this and that. So she had to go along to certain summer camps and things. And because of that, during one of her summer camps, she met the district advocate for Landscarpo, and his name is Dar Champion. Meanwhile, Chewie and 3PO get to K-4-3, and they go down a shaft to lay some bombs. Meanwhile, Luke passes the Star Destroyer, which has got Admiral Ozzel on board. Uh, Ozzel, he's got his guy with a moustache. He gets choked at the start of Empire Strikes Back. He's in a few other Star Wars comics as well. Um, but the reason he gets choked at the start of Empire Strikes Back is because his Star Destroyer comes in too close to Hoth out of hyperspace and alerts the rebels of the Empire's presence, which does inevitably allow them to get away. Yeah, so Luke passes the Star Destroyer in his X-Wing and Oswald's on board and tells the Star Destroyer crew to ignore Luke because just having one ship out there, it's probably some sort of bait or trap. So Luke lands on the planet and he decides that he needs to take out the probe droids on foot on the planet. 
While this is happening, Han and Leia land on the planet Lands Carbo. They bribe some guards so that they don't have to do any customs checks. And they then spot a Nikto being beaten up by some guards. So Leah pays these guards to stop beating him up. Now, a Nikto is a species that is in Star Wars a fair amount. Um, you would see them, I believe there's some in Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. They're in the Clone Wars a bit. Uh, there is actually a Jedi in Clone Wars who's killed. I think it's one of the early seasons of that. I think his name is Ema Gun. Um, in Star Wars Resistance, the 3D animated show set around the sequel trilogy, that has got a guy in it called Niku Vozo. He is also a Nikto. Uh, and then, in essence, there are three types of Niktos. I've discussed this once before in one of the prior episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon. And in essence, there's red ones, green ones, and grey ones. The red ones are called Kajansa. The green ones are called Kadasa. And the grey ones are called Esralsa. So that's a fun bit of information that you guys are probably never going to remember because I certainly can never remember it. I just know there are three types, but they all come from like generally different places on their planet. But yeah, that's Nikto. Back to the story, Chewie and 3PO manage to connect all the bombs up and then they sort of bond a little bit. They have a little back and forth, which is quite nice. They then fall, seemingly about to fall straight into some lava and a rock person manages to save them. The rock person pulls up Chewie, who has managed to get a hold of 3PO, pulls them up, and then it shows that there are quite a lot of these rock people. Then this comic ends of Han and Leia are surrounded by guards, all because they paid off the customs person, and then they pay off some more guards to stop beating up a thug, so they start to arouse some suspicion. And then someone shows up, fights with these guards, and then it shows that it is actually Dar Champion who shows up. And then Han has a f- couple of words to say about that to Leia, kind of questioning, you know, whether or not they're boyfriend and girlfriend or something, because Dar makes a comment about that. Then Leia compares the relationship with Dar, similarly to Han's relationship with Sana Staros, which was detailed in the, basically the second volume of the main run of Star Wars comics. So I think that's like issue seven onwards. But yeah, that's where issue number 68 ends. So let's move on to the next one, issue 69. So on Lands Carpo, which I forgot to mention, is a core world. So the whole galaxy is kind of split into... It almost looks like a target in a really easy way of thinking about it, like a bullseye sort of target thing. And the inner bullseye circle is the core world, as places like Coruscant and Lands Carpo. Then there's the mid rim, and then there's the outer rim, and then there's even further out the outer rim, and then there's like the unknown regions. So it's basically just when you're closer to the core world, that is like the most done up, the closer to the Republic. Uh, and when it's, you know, now the Empire, it's much closer to the Empire. So it's just almost how much hold the Republic or whoever's in force at the time has control and say over certain places generally when you go to the outer rim and the worlds that aren't quite as touched by the republic or the empire it either means the civilizations are often not as advanced or they're trying to hide or the planets are uninhabitable a lot of the time it's also you know kind of gunslinger territory you know where often crime lords and things kind of run the systems and whatnot but yeah this is quite close to the core very near coruscant so it shows that Dar Champion, he arrests those thugs that attacks Leia and Han, and then they are immediately bailed out by Boss Carpo, who seems to run the whole planet. It's confirmed that Leia and Dar actually dated while they're in that summer camp thing together, and then Leia stood Dar up at this big ball that they were going to have. And it turns out that Dar's father was accused of abuse of office and embezzlement. So while that's happening, Leia and Han are kind of squabbling as well. Dar gives them the honeymoon suite, seeing that they look like a couple. And they go outside, get a bit of food, and then they discuss whether or not they can trust Dar, and Leia isn't too sure about it. So they decide that they're going to head to the place they need to go, just themselves, and try and get this plan into action. And when they do that, someone overhears them who's following them. 
So on to Luke's story for this issue. Luke is on a planet called Sergia. He destroys a probe droid and the probe droid doesn't see him or anything. He manages to mask himself with a herd of creatures. He then sees a vehicle in the distance and heads towards it. While this is happening, R2-D2 relays a message from Luke to a few rebels who are on the planet. Luke tells them to lay low because he's going to help them escape. So Luke heads to this nearby settlement he saw the speeder go towards and he goes to a bar. In the bar, there is a woman who's called Warber. She wins 10 hands in a row of a certain game that they are playing. And then the person she's fighting against gets quite aggressive, grabs her by the scruff of her neck, threatens her. And Luke grabs a broom and manages to knock this guy down. Warber and Luke then escape the bar and jump into a speeder. Warber comments saying, oh look, this is my speeder, jump in. And they get in and drive away. And when they're out of earshot, the guy runs out of the bar who Luke hit and yells, that was my speeder. And then Warber says that she knows the Force and those who seek it, which is why she knows about Luke being Force-sensitive in some way. And then it moves on to 3PO and Chewie's storyline. So they're on this planet, K43 or K43, however you want to word it, and 3PO is trying to warn these rock people of the detonators. He can't fully speak their language, so he's kind of struggling a bit. They seem to misunderstand, get angry, and start to chase them. Chewie grabs 3PO and runs. They manage to get to the Millennium Falcon, and then 3PO doesn't actually want to blow up the planet anymore. He compares these rock people to droids and himself, saying that although... Maybe it's not certain if they show emotion or maybe if they're not sort of organic in the way that we understand it. That doesn't mean that they aren't alive and their life isn't worth value. So they discuss they're going to try and remove the detonators now. And it turns out that Chewie has already set off the beacon, which notifies the Empire nearby, which obviously because the plan was to get the Empire nearby to blow up the planet and damage them. And so the final panel is showing the Millennium Falcon with a Star Destroyer overhead. So let's move on to the next issue. And I will just quickly add here what I quite like about these issues is that it seems to be for the first third of the comic, it's one story. The middle third is another one. And then the last third is another story. And it makes it a lot easier for me to kind of give you guys the footnote details of a lot of these things. Because as you may remember from certain previous episodes, when the gang are on the same planet, it's like one or two pages per group of people and you just have to flip back and forth and back and forth and it's quite confusing to read and I'm sure it's quite confusing to listen to. So these ones are all quite nice and easy. So with issue 70 it starts with Luke and Warber's story. So Warber's vehicle then stops and she confirms to Luke that it was stolen. He's not overly happy about that but before he can protest too much they can see they're being pursued by people, presumably the gentleman who she stole the speeder off. So they jump out of the speeder when they're out of sight, push it down this hill and as it goes off into the distance the thugs then follow it. While this happens Luke and Warber are hiding and Warber confirms that she knows about Jedi mind tricks and she says that the force is dangerous to wielders and their targets. She grabs Luke's saber while sort of talking to him and he's a little bit distracted and Luke pulls it back using the force. She then contacts someone and confirms that she could sell his lightsaber for them to get passage off world and he could set up a moisture farm if he wanted on Tatooine. He questions how she possibly knows that about him. She confirms it's basically the force and so he asks her if she can teach him. He says that he's trying to save lives and she says that if she was going to train him it would take you know minimum of weeks and weeks and they don't have that kind of time so she says let's rob a bank. Meanwhile Leia and Han are on Lance Carbo still and they are checking into the honeymoon suite that they've been given by Dar. They are still getting followed and they haven't noticed at all but they get into their bedroom. Now the bedroom has got some statues and figures and that sort of thing in there but one thing I found quite interesting was there's a droid that walks in and says you know here's this thing here's that thing let me just turn on the pheromone enhancers and as he says that both Han and Leia yell out no and the droids are like 
okay, I won't do that then, and then leaves the room. So pheromone enhancer, I'm sure most people listening know what that is, but from the general gist I get from this story, it gets mentioned again later on, but in essence, an enhancer of pheromones basically makes two people more attracted to each other. So it's quite an aphrodisiac, the kind of thing you turn on to turn yourself and your partner on, I suppose, and to make a little love nest in the honeymoon suite. Uh, so that was just something, I, I used the word cool, I'm not sure if I would specifically use that term, uh, but it's interesting. Like, you don't really get that element of Star Wars confronted very often, so knowing there's something like pheromone enhancers existing in the universe, that makes sense. So Leia and Han get changed, they go downstairs and they sneak into a side door. They go down a maintenance tunnel and it shows they're still getting followed and they are then stopped near the end of the tunnel by some red guards. They fight these red guards, manage to take out most of them, but then the person following them comes out and helps, manages to knock out one of the red guards who had Leia in a precarious position. It's confirmed that the stranger that was following them is Dar Champion, unsurprisingly, and he already knows their plan, but he says that the Empire controlling the system would be even worse than Boss Carbo controlling the system, so he aims blasters at Han and Leia, telling them they can't proceed with this. And then on to Chewie and 3PO. Chewie is flying the Millennium Falcon, avoiding the Death Star blasts. The rock people are now out of the ground, they're kind of looking up and things, but there are some giant rock people as well. And one of them catches the edge of the Millennium Falcon, which causes quite a bit of damage, and the Millennium Falcon then has to crash land. The rock people then grab 3PO, and then he starts to think he can understand them a bit. The ground opens up, the rock people take 3PO down underground, and then close the ground back up, and Chewie's just left there by himself, looking at the floor. Now, the Star Destroyer that was on the planet that was shooting at them was a smaller, more standard Star Destroyer, but there is a big Star Destroyer in orbit, and that Star Destroyer is the Executor, which is Darth Vader's personal Star Destroyer. I've mentioned it numerous times in these comics and things, but in essence, it's the one that you see in Return of the Jedi, and A-Wing crashes into the bridge, and then the ship crashes into the side of the Death Star 2 and blows up. On the Executor, they detect that there's only one life form on the planet, but it's confirmed that that is a Wookiee. And they confirm that it must be Skywalker who is involved, because he's one of the very, pretty much the only person they know of who's got a Wookiee in their crew. And they say that it could be a trap. And then it shows that Vader is there. And he says it's a trap that they can use. And that's where comic number 70 ends. So onto the penultimate comic of this batch. I want to clarify that this full story arc is eight issues long. It finishes with issue number 75, but I don't really have time to do all those little things in one big episode because I would just be talking forever. So I thought it'd be quite nice for me to do when in a month's time when I do the finale of this. I'll do the remaining three issues and then I will do Empire Ascendant, but I'll get onto that a little bit later. So issue number 71. It starts off by continuing on 3PO and Chewie's story. So 3PO is taken to the elders of the planet known as Kakra, and they call him Cousin Orr because 3PO has basically managed to somehow communicate with them, and the elders seem to be able to communicate in a much more understandable fashion. One of the elders touches 3PO on his head, and it shows he has flashbacks, and the elder says, the flesh will leave you, referring to humans and whatnot, and they ask for 3PO to stay to help them speak with the flesh because they can't communicate with people in essence. While this is going on, you see Chewie is now deactivating the bombs they connected right underneath the planet's sort of crust, in a sense, and 3PO calls out to stop him um, via the communicator because Darth Vader arrives. Meanwhile, Han and Leia are still speaking to Darth Champion. He tries to talk them out of the attack. Leia manages to catch him off guard, kicks the guns out of his head, and then they have a close combat fight. Leia manages to best him, and then alarm sound and Han and Leia hide. Dar directs the guards who then come running to a completely different place, says there are three people, they're massive, and one of them is a Utapawan, and then once the guards are gone, 
Dar then suggests tricking Boss Carbo into attacking the Empire. They all then enter a ballroom, and then to fit in, Han and Leia start to dance together. Now I want to add in here that I mentioned slightly earlier about Leia having sort of training and things. In Leia Princess of Alderaan, she does have some degree of hand-to-hand combat and training and things, and it is shown in, you know, outside of the films and whatnot, Leia can really take care of herself. She can handle a blaster very well, she can actually fight. Obviously, she's quite small in stature, she's, I think, not much taller than five foot. So she is obviously a small woman, or petite, if you want to call it that, but she can handle herself in a close combat hand-to-hand fight in a lot of ways, which is really cool, but... I would recommend if you want to hear more about Leia being badass, read Leia Princess of Alderaan. It's a really good book by Claudia Gray. Um, I highly recommend it. Meanwhile, Warba takes Luke to an Imperial payroll garrison and teaches him a specific mantra to help him focus with the Force. Now, the mantra that she teaches him is, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. Now, obviously, you guys would remember that from Rogue One. And you've got Chirrut Imwe, who is one of the best characters in Star Wars, in my opinion. And he, you know, he's the blind monk and he chants the mantra to be able to essentially channel the Force in a lot of ways. So Chirrut Imwe, obviously, is played by Donnie Yen. He is amazing. And he also does show up in the Galaxy's Edge comics as well. There is a book called Guardians of the Wills that's got Chirrut Imwe in it and his friend with the big guns, Baze Malbus. And Guardians of the Wills, and it's basically their story together. It's quite interesting. I've, I've read a little bit of the synopsis and things online. It does sound like quite a cool book, but you know, at the moment I'm reading so many High Republic things, I'm just prioritizing those at the moment. But if you want to find out a little bit more about Chirrut Imwe, read that book. And also, he does show up in the Galaxy's Edge anthology miniseries, which I tackled in episode 20 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. So anyway, Warbert is saying to Luke that you need to chant this mantra. She's seen people who are way less Force-sensitive than Luke manage to do incredible things because they believed in themselves. And because if you believe in the Force and you let the Force channel through you and things, you can do some incredible things. So he enters the Imperial Payroll Garrison and he slices some droids up. He evades all the fire, doesn't get hit by anything. He enters the place dropping his lightsaber. It's not overly clear if he did that on purpose or not, but Warbert sees it. She goes in to grab it and then Luke exits the garrison and then the place starts to explode all around him. He thanks her for teaching him how to do that and to focus, then takes his saber off her, not in an aggressive way, like it looks like she was trying to steal it, just in a casual way of like, oh, thanks for holding this for me, in a sense, whereas she was definitely going to try and steal it. So that's where issue 71 ends, so we move on to the final issue of this batch, number 72. So we've got 3PO translating for Darth Vader, and while he's doing this, he does activate his comms, so Chewie is specifically aware of Darth Vader, and is kind of subtly trying to warn Chewie of certain things. So 3PO talks to these rock people, you don't get to find out what he specifically said to them, and a war comes up between 3PO, Vader, and the Elders, because the Elders are going to deliberate on whatever Vader offered. While they're waiting around, Vader asks 3PO of their strength, emotions, and their mind, talking about the rock people. 3PO says that Vader likely cannot sense them due to these stone-based processes, and they are very different from normal humans and things. Their just biology is different, so however you would tune into it normally isn't the same as anyone else's. Vader compares them to droids, says they have no emotions. 3PO counters and says that droids do have emotions, or some of them, and Vader says that droids only have emotions when they are programmed to do so, whereas these rock people don't have a programmer yet. It shows that Chewie is underground and things, he's managing to deactivate all of those bombs, and then some stormtroopers come out and start shooting at Chewie. Chewie manages to defend himself and not get hit and take out these troopers, and Vader tells his fellow troopers to not kill the Wookiee, they need to use it as a trap for Skywalker. 
Speaking of Skywalker, it goes to his storyline with Warba, and she wants basically them to grab the money that they stole from the Imperial Garrison, split the cash, and then just bail. She says that the rebels aren't actually friends, and she says that Luke is a really good thief. Luke seems to think that Warba is testing him, and that she's some sort of force teacher and whatnot, and so he won't give her the money. He says, you know, they have to go to the source to find out more information on the Imperials and those sort of things. They get near the place where the source is, and it shows that there are some stormtroopers who are intimidating a character called Ranja. After intimidating and smashing a few things, they then leave. It shows that they were actually asking about the bank attack, obviously, that Luke and Warba were involved with, or really completely did themselves. And Warba tells Luke about growing up on Jeddah. She listened to the Guardians of the Wills, and she saw miracles, but she also saw thousands die for kyber crystals. She says she can teach him another thing, says for him to close his eyes and try to feel stuff. And while he's doing that, she then gets up and runs away. And then he opens his eyes, seeing her sprinting away, and calls after her. And finally, onto Han and Leia's story of this comic. So Han and Leia are dancing together. Then Han ends up swapping with Dar Champion due to his request, and Han is dancing with whoever Dar was dancing with. Dar then takes Leia to the balcony and speaks to her. He shows her Boss Carbo's ship that you can see from that balcony, and Dar says that if he takes it out of the system and then fights the Empire and loses, then it'd be a win-win situation because the planet then wouldn't get Imperial occupation in the same way, and the punishment would go to the boss. So Leia and Dar then head for the exit, Han sees them sort of going off together, he starts to follow them a little bit but then he gets stopped by some guards, beaten up a little bit and then taken to Boss Carpo. He gets thrown on a transport and is taken to that space station. And it then shows that Dar and Leia are uploading messages and it confirms that Boss Carpo should be gone within the hour and that will be their problem solved. And then this comic ends with Leia saying to Dar, where's Han gone? And that, my friends, is the end of this. Um, It wasn't too much of a long one um, because there aren't a huge, huge amount of connections here. Like, there are bits and pieces, but as I stipulated in the previous one, these comics are starting to finish off quite a lot of stuff and it feeds quite into Empire Strikes Back. So most of the things it's connected to are to do with Empire Strikes Back. Apart from maybe like the old species popping up here and there, it is very much just the story of these, which is why there wasn't a huge amount of connective tissue. So what have we got coming up then? So next episode is episode 66. A lot of fun there, you know. Execute Order 66. A lot of fun. Anytime 66 mentioned in Star Wars, it's fun, isn't it? Um, so we've got the next batch of Darth Vader comics, which is the 2017 run by Charles Soule. Um, it's going to be Legacy's End, issues 7 to 12. Make sure you get reading, guys. And it's got an appearance of the famed Jedi, who before these comics was one of my least favourite Jedi there were, which is Jocasta Nu, who's the librarian who's really snarky to Obi-Wan in episode 2, telling him that if the planet is not in the archives, it does not exist hated her after that but after reading the comic that we'll be tackling next week which i read a little while ago i do appreciate her a lot more so that's something quite exciting to look forward to the week after that is going to be the first batch of afra comics so that's going to be in the 2020 run of afra which was by Alyssa wong now i will clarify that i think the week after that is going to be when I'm away. So there's going to be two weeks that I'm away, so I won't be doing standard episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon. I am trying to record and release a book review, which will be 
released on one of those weeks I'm out. And then I'm likely for the other one just going to release some of the episodes I did on my Patreon over at patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. Myself and Megan, we reviewed all the Star Wars films. You know, we'd both seen them all quite a few times. So I might just connect some of those episodes together. Then you guys get a little bit of content if you aren't already a Patreon supporter. And also it gives you a taste of if you donate as little as £1 a month, you then get access to a Patreon feed, which has our Afterthoughts episodes in that. So that's quite an exciting thing in that regard. But I'll give you guys more detail about that when it actually comes to it before I am planning on going away and I'll try and get some stuff sorted for that. Uh, aside from that, what else is there? Well, I recently appeared on an episode of Mandatory Marvel in DC with the powerful Max Byrne. Um, we spoke about volume seven of the new 52 run of Batman comics. It's called Endgame. Uh, it is like a sequel to the Death in the Family one that we tackled. And it's a Joker story and it is very deep and dark and it was a lot of fun chatting to him about that. I'll include a link in the description to that. Uh, in addition, myself, Megan, and Tonya Todd, we have done now two episodes on the Loki series. The first episode was about episodes one to three of the Loki series, and the second episode was about episodes four to six of the Loki series. So if you want to hear some people tackling sort of the first and second half of the Loki series, including Tonya, who is much more of a Loki expert than myself or Megan are, uh, we talk about, you know, well, I'm not going to say what we talk about, but it's basically, it will be full with spoilers, so make sure you go and check out uh, Loki before tuning into that. But once again, link to that is in the description. Um, I was recently on the I Like to Like Things podcast as well, where I spoke about one of my favorite shows called Sherlock. I also was on an episode of the TV and movie show on the feed of Comics in Motion, uh, where myself and Chris Phelps spoke about Black Widow. That is once again spoilerific. Uh, so make sure you watch Black Widow before listening to that, or listen to it if you aren't fussed, either or. Um, Obviously, links to all these things are in the description, as always. Um, there's my Patreon, which I've sort of vaguely plugged. As I said, patreon.com slash genuine chitchat. Uh, myself and Megan, at least once a week, will do an episode of Afterthoughts where we talk about tv series or a movie or something we're going to the cinema quite a lot recently so we've been talking about new films we did a spoiler free review of black widow that was like 10 minutes long uh, we've also done one on luca mitchell's versus the machines we've done one on in the heights as well the lin-manuel miranda movie uh, and we've got plenty of other time to go to the cinema as well i think we're planning on seeing space jam legacy um, we're obviously going to see the suicide squad we're going to see venom 2 let there be carnage uh, we're going to see basically all the marvel films we're going to be going to see those and there's a few other films as well that are quite interesting so i'll be tackling those in a spoiler free manner so if you want to hear about things that aren't specifically comic or nerd culture related then uh, it's a pretty good place to go and we do also tackle other films we've got like classic stuff like we're due to record an episode on v vendetta soon uh, on the butterfly effect uh, on about time so lots of non-marvel non-nerdy stuff but also plenty of those things too because we do consume a lot of that content so yeah, patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. Uh, and in addition, if you go over there, you can listen to three episodes completely for free. Um, they are like some of the earliest episodes. So you probably have to scroll down for quite a while. It's basically The Witcher Season 1, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, and I've just released our Spider-Man 3 discussion. Uh, aside from that, guys, I don't think there's much else to add. Uh, just keep an eye out on the feed of Comics in Motion for all the other amazing shows. I am popping up in a few here and there, because, you know, why not? Uh, and also, follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. I post on there photos of the Star Wars comics and things after a new episode drops. Um, I do drop those on Patreon normally a couple days early. I I also post snippets of my show genuine chit chat where i interview different people i've had loads of guys from comics in motion on uh, i recently have had chris um, brayton of the i like to like things podcast on um, i've had actors on filmmakers the puppeteer or one of the many puppeteers for labyrinth and dark crystal 
His name is Michael McCormick, and he actually created the character Salacious Crumb, which is the Coakian monkey lizard that you see in Return of the Jedi. It's the weird little cackly thing next to Jabba the Hutt. Um, so that was a really, really fun conversation. You can go over to Genuine Chit Chat's YouTube channel if you're already there. Huzzah. But if you're not, I do upload these episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon there. I've put all of them into playlists and things, so there's certain ones that are specifically to do with certain characters and whatnot. Um, but also some of my Genuine Chit Chat episodes have got videos on there as well. So lots of cool different different things to check out but if you follow me on social media you'll get insights into the films i'm watching the star wars comics i'm tackling the snippets of the interviews that i do uh, and lots of other bits and pieces about my life so if you're interested in any of that follow me on social media please rate comics in motion on itunes if you're currently listening on youtube give it a thumbs up give some comments and whatnot and um, i'm also going to be appearing on a youtube show called star wars timeline i recorded an episode of that last night i think we were chatting for like nearly two hours and I think that's going to be out on Monday, which will be Monday the 26th of July. I believe that'll be out. But in the next week's episode of Star Wars Comics and Canon, I'll include a link to that as well. So loads of places that you can hear my wonderful voice. Anyway, guys, that's enough from me. I'll be back and talking to you next Saturday with the next batch of 2017 Darth Vader run. And as always, guys, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.